0: Scores! Scores! Off the glass, to left corner to a Gidlo, a the in left circle. Hasidiel with
1: shot. Save made by Oliver Gidlo. Three bounce, another shot. They score! The blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts.
2: Flames talk starts. Now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan, here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson.
1: Well, I don't know if you're ready, but I guess I am. Let's get another week started. We are underway. It is Monday, January 22nd already. Welcome to this hour of Flames Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio. It's Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. Wes is with us this week. Hello, sir. Howdy, howdy. How we doing? We're good. It's, uh, it's a good news day, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is nice to, to say, and I think we can now officially say this. I think that you can officially be cool saying, welcome back, Oliver Shillington. That was very cool on Monday morning to see him back on the ice doing a full practice with the Calgary Flames for the first time since May of 2022. And, you know, we've been anticipating this for some time. We've been anticipating this day and and him being practicing on this Monday – since Saturday, um, since the conditioning stint came to an end with the uh, Calbee Wrangler. So no one was surprised to see him out there. We were all there waiting to see when he was going to hit the ice. He was probably number seven or eight on the ice uh, at at practice at the Saddledome Monday morning, but it sure was awesome to see, hey? And I'm... uh, I'm okay declaring the best feel-good story of the season is Oliver. Because we didn't know. We did not know if this was going to happen. Um, When he stepped away right before training camp uh, for this fall, I, I didn't know. I didn't know if it was going to move in this direction at any point. And that's not to say that I doubted it. You just, you don't know. You know a guy is going through a really hard time. You know a guy is dealing with a lot. So you just, you just never know. And after missing an entire season the year before, You have no idea how it's going to go. And then we saw him practice for the first time on December 1st. And we knew that it was moving in a good direction when he kept on practicing and kept on showing up at the rink and kept on working out. And then he gets that conditioning loan and plays not one but two games with the Wranglers, gets lots of practices in, and now the conditioning loan comes to an end, and, and here he is back practicing with the Calgary Flames. So we didn't know if it was going to get to this point, and I am super glad it is. Good for him, good for everyone involved, and uh, yeah, best feel-good story of the year. I'm, I'm and, ready
2: to declare it. And, and as you said, we're going to hear from Oliver in, in a moment, but one of the things that you'll hear, and one of the things that struck me, and I'm sure struck you, was Oliver said exactly what you just said. He wasn't sure you know, there were there were points he wondered yeah. about getting to a day like today and rejoining his teammates for practice and, and being out there with that million-watt grin that we're accustomed to seeing from Oliver Shillington or, or were accustomed to seeing before his leave from the team. And so, you know, there's days that just feel different around the saddle, though, you know, and there's days when you can tell, Teammates are, are just really excited about something. Today was one of those days, yeah. right? Today today felt different. And now and we're going to get into all of this. I know mixed emotions because of the news that with Oliver Shillington returning, you know, that's mixed with news that Dylan Dubé has taken an indefinite leave of absence yeah. from the Flames for mental health reasons. And so it wasn't all... Good news today, there there was a lot of serious discussion mixed in with the excitement uh, about Oliver's return, but when you boil it down to just Shillington and a young man who hadn't been able to practice with his team for 20 months, yep. to see him back today really was nice.
1: And and he was smiling, and there was... Uh, it wasn't cool. forced, right? No, no, even he, you could tell how much he was enjoying himself, and there, there was a moment there, and, and look... Mackenzie Weger has played a grand total of zero games with Oliver Shillington as a teammate because, uh, of of course, Mackenzie started last year and Oliver didn't didn't uh, play with the team last year, and and it was a cool moment on the bench where um, they were starting some drills where they, they went through groups of five. So everybody wasn't on the ice at the same time. And so McKenzie and Rasmus Anderson just finished their part of the drill. And Anderson went to one bench and McKenzie went to the one that uh, Shillington was on and just uh, gave him a good little head, uh, head, I don't know, head rub, uh, a little face wash. And I was like, yeah, oh, that's, that's cool yeah. to see. Like, and, and you could tell like Oliver had a huge smile on his face when it happened. It was just you could tell the teammates were pretty stoked to see him back and, and just listening to them after the fact and yeah. talking about, you know, how proud they are of him and, and that he's back and how happy they were to be able to support him during all this. You're right. It was uh, one of those days when you couldn't help but, but smile and, and, um, and couldn't help but pick up on the fact that, Everybody's really happy to see this uh, see this happening today.
2: Yeah, you you mentioned the moment with Mackenzie Wieger, which was especially cool because, as you said, there there's not a ton of background between those two guys. You know, a few moments that stuck out for me, even before the formal portion of of practice, the guys are just kind of skating their warm up laps, and Rasmus Anderson skated up beside Oliver Shillington and put one arm around him and kind of gave him like an on the move hug and. And you could tell they they were joking about something, laughing, and then a couple minutes later, again, guys are just kind of carrying pucks around by themselves, warming up, and and Oliver Shillington kind of races to catch up with Michael Backlund and poke check him, and and bursts out laughing that he's just knocked the puck away from the the captain who who certainly didn't realize anyone was playing defense in that <laughs> moment, and, and just you know to see that that sort of regular bs that you do with teammates you know to to see and and another thing we'll hear from oliver is that it felt like a normal day he said and just to see those sort of normal occurrences that haven't been normal for the past 20 months because oliver shillington hasn't been around his flames teammates in that sort of setting absolutely this is a feel-good story this is a great story for the calgary flames and it was just really good to not only see Oliver at practice, but to, you know, see that big smile, to, you know, see a guy who looked like he was right into it, to see a guy who seemed to relish the challenge of trying to move six foot seven Adam Klapka from the net front on one of the drills. Like it it was just one of those days where yeah. you're watching from our perch thinking, man, this is this is pretty cool. This is nice to see.
1: And the other thing that's important is that there were, no, there were no kid gloves in this practice. It was a full-on practice. He did every drill. There were a couple of, you know, there, there weren't like full-on battle drills or anything like that, but they did that small area game from the uh, yeah. blue line in with the two nets, and um, and he was right there, part of it, fighting battle. So he took full-on, no-holds-barred participant in his first NHL practice. Uh, and And the other thing, and we're going to hear from him right now, the other thing that I thought was really cool was him, like when he came out and spoke to us and and he had a ton of microphones in his face, yeah, very comfortable, looked very, very at ease yeah and that was that was also really uh, i don't know what the right word is, um just encouraging that's the that's the best word it was super encouraging to just see how personable and and at ease he was talking to us and and having you know that's not. That's not your typical social interaction, right? Like having right. a bunch of people staring at you with their arms in front of you and uh, asking you a bunch of questions. And he was very at ease with this. So, so very cool.
2: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, for you and I, and, and for a bunch of our colleagues too, it's important to note, like you kind of get to know, it's not like we're hanging around with the players, but you get to know these guys a little bit and you get to see how they handle themselves. You you meet them in a lot of cases on, on their draft day and, and so we've seen what oliver shillington's like for a lot of seasons now you know he's he's been in the flames organization professionally since he was 18 years old and to see him to see him so at ease to see him so comfortable and to hear the words that that you're going to hear here in a moment just man it just put a big smile on my face today
1: uh let's hear from oliver shillington who spoke with us after his first nhl practice with the flames this season good to hear uh this guy back speaking with us here's oliver from monday morning
3: i felt good yeah it's fun to see everyone again and it was fun to share the ice with everyone so i felt good is it like what has me the past little bit kind of been like getting to this point just were you, did you have today circled on your your calendar like what goes into your head for that yeah I knew that the, this day was, was about to come so I I uh, was looking forward to it and I, I just try to really approach it as any other day but it was kind of hard yesterday I I had a moment for myself and I I um, it was one point at a time I didn't think I was going to be here uh, so uh, it was kind of emotional but but uh in a good way, so I, I I was excited to come here today and, and see everyone and, and uh, yeah, like I said, just share the ice with everyone and and play hockey again. How instrumental have your teammates th- been? Th- team? Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> how instrumental
0: have your teammates been in helping you along the
3: way? No, they've been great support system. Uh, everyone basically uh, checking in with me and and texting and calling and and just. Uh, being there as a friend so uh, everyone's been a part of, of my process uh, in some bits so i appreciate uh, everyone that's uh, that's been been there for me uh, in this per- in this
1: process so yeah do you, do you try to uh, you talk about having a moment yesterday did you try to take it all in today and kind of embrace it being back with everybody yeah yeah i did i mean i feel i
3: felt that today felt kind of normal like it just felt like uh, i've been here so many times so uh i was just happy and i i got a lot of energy out, out of it so uh i just felt like like myself again so it was just fun to like i said share the ice and, and be out there and, and compete so it was fun
1: Is how do you feel getting to lead your team in stretches at the end and then have i'm not sure which teammate but someone yelled welcome back how did that feel
3: uh yeah you feel the love i mean the i feel like you know i've been playing with a lot of guys in this dressing room for a long time so uh you build relationships and, and you, you care for each other so you feel that for sure and, and uh yeah it's just uh, good love so i appreciate that yeah which, for sure which guy yelled welcome back Sorry? Someone on the ice as you were going through stretches yelled, Welcome back. Uh, I, 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 it's all good to be honest. Known. I can't remember who it was, but <laughs> I've heard of many, a many guys yelling it. So, yeah, but I, I appreciate that Yeah, Snyder too. how that feel like? You got a little love from your guys there. Uh. Uh, I can still shoot. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with it. Yeah.
1: You mentioned it, feeling normal and there being all these people you know. But I saw him Kenzie Weeger. I mean, there's got to be a bunch of guys here. It's yeah. A very different team than. than yeah, for sure. Right?
3: Yeah. No the new guys i mean they're not new but for me they're a bit new but but all the guys are great and and like weeks hoops and nas and all those guys that i haven't seen much and sharky and those guys uh uh, they've been great to me since since i first met him so uh, it's a great group of guys in this
1: dressing room and and i'm just uh, happy to be part of it So that's uh, Oliver Shillington as he spoke with us. Very uh, a couple of times when he had questions coming at him from all angles, and he handled it like a politician. Like yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, good on like him. Like a politician. Awesome. Don't well, go insulting the guy. He so just got f- back. That's a fair point. Uh, but you know, it's like uh, he's uh, there's, uh, Susie yeah. in the Susie in the third row over <laughs> there, uh, or, or it looked like a press secretary. He was so comfortable doing it. Good on him, and uh, it it. You know, and I know that we talked about this when he was getting set to play his first game with the Wranglers, and, and I know a big thing for you was – how important it was going to be for him to get through that first game. And he got through that first game and not completely unscathed because a little bit of a tweak with a, a lower body injury, a groin uh, a groin tweak, so he couldn't play that second game. And then did get in with the extension to that second game over the weekend in Coachella Valley. Played a road game with the Wranglers and then came back to uh, join the Flames with his conditioning loan done. But now it, it kind of feels like, He's practicing with the Flames again. Maybe he'll take morning skate on Tuesday. I would imagine he probably would. Another full practice on Wednesday. Um, It feels now like... Start thinking about where to pencil him in on, on the D pairs and start to target. And I know there are still lots of signposts to hit and the Flames are not rushing this and Oliver's not rushing this and there's still a lot of talk about what the next steps are, but it doesn't seem completely... Inappropriate or premature to start thinking about, huh? Who would he play best with? How would you yeah. how would you arrange the pairings now that you've got a pretty good feeling that Oliver returning to NHL action is is going to happen in the not so distant future?
2: Yeah, and 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 just to clarify, I suppose you know when I when I was talking previously about, well, let's make sure he gets through this first game. I I simply mean that in terms of his comfort level and what what sort of happened through this process is is gradually expanding the scope. Okay, let, let's see how his comfort zone is here. How, how's he yeah. doing a full practice with the Wranglers? How's he do now in a game situation with the Wranglers? Is he comfortable going on the road with the Wranglers, which he did this past season? So being around, you know, the the travel and, you know, being around the the group in the hotel and everything that comes with it, right? And, and so you kind of keep saying, okay, well, now is he comfortable with this? And yeah, there's... I can't think of many things left on the checklist before the next one is ready for an NHL game. The only, so, the
1: only thing on the checklist now would be the physical side of it, like, right? You know, you're you're jumping into the highest league in the world at mid-season. Like we always talk about mid-season form, and we make those jokes like, "Oh, preseason game, ah, huh? mid-season form." Well, they are in mid-season form. We're we're past the midway mark, so. He's only played two AHL games, so he's going to need some practices, and he's going to need to, you know, while the All Star break's going on, he's probably going to need Marty Jelena or, uh, you know, Darren or or whom other the, the some of the other development or skills parts of the organization going to have to probably keep working with him during the break because he's going to need to ramp himself up and get ready. And uh, I, you just the the physical side feels like what is the next big hurdle to clear right
2: yeah and it was interesting today you know ryan huska was asked a a question we've heard a lot and and you know remains a very pertinent question well is there a timeline for his return to game action and and he said no 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 timeline but sure looked pretty good out there on the ice today and 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 he did you know by by our eyes and again you're you're judging in a practice session and, and not in a game setting but You know, he, he, as Ryan Huska said, didn't necessarily look like he's missed a beat, which is uh, a testament, I think, to the physical conditioning he's gone through already over the the past several months that he's been back here in Calgary. And, you know, suddenly it doesn't seem the least bit far-fetched to think that number 58 is going to be back in the Calgary Flames lineup. And that's something that, as you started the show by saying, we... You know, we didn't know when we were having these conversations. Yeah. I, I don't think they feel inappropriate or premature today.
1: Yeah. It finally feels like, yeah, let's just have some hockey conversations Yeah, when it comes to Oliver. And, and that's awesome because, for, not forgotten, but, you know, the, the other part of this is, hey, they've missed him while he's been gone. They mm-hmm. have. Like, they, they've missed what he does on the ice. They missed him all last year. Um, And, and that's not to say he he needed to take care of what he was taking care of so that was good that he was taking care of it but yeah they they missed his skating they missed his his ability to to transport the puck and and get out of his own zone and and the way that he helped the offense transition and so they're going to really enjoy having that back i think and and it's going to be a really big thing for him now here's here's kind of the um technical side of things uh, i got a bunch and and i tried to Break this down as much as I could on on Saturday's Flames talk post game. Um, so if you've already heard this, uh, I apologize. And on Saturday's post game, uh, I broke it down with a couple of people because I, I knew I was going to get a bunch of questions. So I checked in with three or four different people who are going to know just to make sure that all my ducks were in a row. And I probably still have some ducks missing from the row, but this is as good as I can explain it because there were a lot of questions. So he. He remains on LTI and has been on long-term injury reserve this entire time. He went on a conditioning loan to the Wranglers while still on long-term injury reserve. There are kind of two conditioning loans that are permitted in the NHL uh, to the American League. One of them is the standard one that we hear about where you're on the roster and you still count on the cap. But if the player and team agrees, that player can be sent to the American League to play up to I don't know exactly what the game number is but it's up to 2 weeks or 14 days in the American League that's the regular conditioning loan this was an LTI conditioning loan which initially is 6 days or 3 team games uh and then after that third team game which was the first game he played in they applied for an extension which was granted they were weren't a, they were not able to then go from the LTI conditioning loan to a regular conditioning loan because the, the way it was explained to me from a few different people was because the league granted the extension, they've never granted an extension on the LTI loan. And then have also okayed a regular conditioning loan. So didn't want to set a new precedent. They're very, very um, careful and very, very strict. Keep a watchful eye when it comes to LTI these days. So they said, we we're, we're not going to set a new precedent. And, The other side of it was, well, this is a really unique situation. Not trying to circumvent the cap. This guy hasn't played in more than a year and a half. He's been coming back from something really serious, but not necessarily physical. But also, we want to get him in midseason. We don't want him to be in a spot where he injures himself. So what type of compromise can we have? And and I believe that compromise is that uh, he's able to remain on LTIR while he starts to practice. So he remains non-rostered and on LTI for now, and that will just continue here for the next little while. And at some point, they will have to activate him off long-term injury reserve. But for now, most times, you can't practice and be on LTI. But in this case, the league has has given the okay that he can practice, remain on the long-term injured list, until which time it's pretty clear he's got to come off and until which time he's ready to play, in which, ta- in which case they would bring him off and, and bring him back onto the active roster. So that's kind of the, the technical side of things as it stands right now for Shillington. And now we wait to see when he gets into his first game, Wes. Is it, is it on this road trip? Do they wait until after the road trip? I'm not, I'm not even trying to guess which game. It's just all of a sudden... You're like, okay, he's got a week here in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Going to get into, I don't know, four or five on-ice sessions possibly. And then you start to see where it goes from there and, and when the logical place to start circling a day on the calendar for him to return is.
2: Yeah, and I, I even think about when we had Brad Pascal on explaining sort of the, the steps that led to Oliver Shillington joining the Wranglers and, and suiting up for game action with the Wranglers. And one of the things that Brad stressed was, you know, he he's sort of guiding this process in terms of nodding his head when he's ready for the next step. and and that had happened in that case before his first game with the Wranglers. Yeah, okay, I'm ready for this. And so I, I at risk of punting on the question, I, I think the most important part of this is when re- when Oliver says, Well, yeah, he's and I asked the question play. rhetorically, not yeah. like
1: Wes, when is he returning? W- Give me an exact date. Yeah. It's more rhetorically, like, okay. Now, when does he feel ready? When does the team feel he's ready? All that type
2: of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but I, I would certainly expect if everything continues to go according to plan that Oliver would be traveling with the Flames on that road trip. It, there's, There actually is some practice time on that road trip, which you don't say about a ton of the, the Flames' recent getaways. So it just feels, this is the best part. It feels imminent. Yeah, it does. Right? It it didn't look today, and, and again, I I can't stress enough. This is just what we saw. You know, we we don't know what Oliver was telling the coaches, or or you know, telling Matt Brown, the the Flames' mental coach. We don't know any of that yet. It sure looked like that's a guy who is really close to being ready to play hockey yeah. for the Calgary Flames, yeah. and, and that that is the most important part today. That that is the best part of the. Story. Like he he doesn't look far off. There's gonna be parts of it. You talked about the you know, the fact that he hasn't played a game in twenty months. There there's gonna be some rust that you can't knock off any other way other than playing Then th- yep. throw him in there at some point when he nods his head and says, Yeah, I'm ready for that
1: yep. part. Yeah. Him and Gilbert, him and Osterley, him and D. Simone, something like that kind of feels like maybe where you start and just go from there. And there's still a lot of other roster movement that might happen between now and March 8th. So that may not be a permanent thing.
2: Well, and depending on where it is, maybe him and Chris Tana, like if you want to make a guy feel really comfortable in his return to the lineup and, and listen, we're probably going to talk about how great of a job Noah Hannafin and Chris Tana did together the other night against Connor McDavid. So not saying those two should be split up, but if if you want to sort of ease Oliver Shillington back in from a, a game perspective, if you want to make him feel as comfortable as possible mm-hmm. in his first NHL game since May of 22, Chris Tano is a pretty good partner, right? Chris yeah. Tano, the guy we always hear about being a stabilizing presence, the guy who Oliver Shillington played alongside in his breakout season and, and constantly was praising, Hey, the, a huge part of my success is Chris Tanev. Well, again, not saying break up Tanev and Hannafin, but wouldn't hurt to have Oliver Shillington log some shifts with the guy who has made him feel the most comfortable from a game standpoint that he's ever looked at this level.
1: Um, it's Pat and Wes along with you this hour on Flames Talk as uh, the text lines open at 960-960. Um, this says, uh, from Jeff, congrats, Oliver. No matter where things go from here, what a massive accomplishment. Heartwarming to hear Shillington's comments today. Wish him continued happiness and health. And, uh, that's, uh, that's well put, Jeff. And, and you're right. No matter where it goes from here, this in and of itself is awesome. And congrats, um, as Wes mentioned off the top, as uh, Oliver works his way back to being ready for game shape and being able to rejoin the Flames in game action, th- there is the other side of things, and and that is Dylan Dubé, who is now away from the team for the time being and and away from them indefinitely. This was the statement the Flames released Sunday at 11 a.m. Uh, quote, Dylan Dubé has been granted an indefinite leave of absence from the team while he attends to his mental health. Dylan's under the care of health professionals, and we request that Dylan's privacy is respected during this period, end quote. Um, I only, I only, uh, put this out on, on Twitter over the weekend, and I only say it now just because I know, especially in 2024, how much speculation turns into truth for so many people uh so that's the only reason i say this is not substance related just so that that speculation doesn't start and then all of a sudden so that it, it is not substance related so uh, i wanted to make sure that is clarified as well um and there's really you know other than we wish him the best and and uh, I know you asked Oliver the question. I'll play the the clip right here. You know, here's Oliver Shillington coming back, and um, Oliver put that uh, that heart emoji yeah. on the Instagram post. And that was something I think a lot of people yeah.
2: noticed, right? The Flames uh, produced that statement that you that you just read, and one one of the replies comes from Oliver Shillington. A simple message, right? A single heart emoji, but but powerful as well. And and I thought, you know, what he said today was was powerful
3: in its own right i played with dupes for a long time i I know him pretty well and i'm not sure what he's going through but uh i'm there for him and and uh when he's ready uh and he wants to share i i i know how it feels so i i'm there for him and i I think the whole organization supports him and his decision and and just wants to uh just wants him to feel better and 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 take
1: those steps uh, to get back so um I just care for him. So that's Oliver Shillington today asked about uh, Dylan Dubé. Uh, and Dylan will be away from the team indefinitely. Um, and uh, as they say, while uh, he, well, he attends to his mental health. So mm-hmm. we wish all the best to, uh, to to Dylan Dubé as he steps away from the team for the time being.
2: Yeah, because for the same reasons that, you know, we've been so supportive on this program and so many people have been so supportive of Oliver Shillington, you know, it takes a lot of courage to address these things yep. and so wishing all the best for for Dylan Dubé as as he you know seeks out the the help that he requires as as he seeks to feeling better you know as he he seeks to maybe getting back to feeling like himself which is a, a way that Oliver Shillington yep. sort of summed up how he was Finally, feeling today.
1: Uh, we are underway this hour on Flames Talk. Wes Gilbertson with us this week. It's Pat Steinberg as well. We're coming at you on this Monday from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, time for a Monday edition of your daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Save thousands on the 2023 GLB 250, GLC 300 Coupe. C300 or the GLC 300. Zero down and a 2% loyalty lease rate reduction. It's Steinberg West Gilbertson of Post Media. Now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames round table. Uh, gents, the Flames uh, are now halfway through this six-game homestand. They started with that comeback win. Over Arizona, then losses against Toronto and Edmonton on Thursday, and most recently Saturday. Jacob Markstrom, he's ready to return, and he'll be back in on Tuesday night against the St. Louis Blues, we assume. So, what did we, um what do we think of Dan Vladar in these three starts while Jacob was on the shelf? How do we uh, evaluate the last week for Dan Vladar?
0: Well, I know the Flames lost two of the three games, but. I thought Dan Vladar was one of their best players in all three of those games and really got unlucky in the Saturday's game against the Oilers. I mean, the two goals he gives up are on a breakaway to Ryan McLeod and then just a, a crazy bounce off two or three guys on a Sam Gagne shot from behind the net. Uh, that one had to be really tough to swallow for him and the Flames and what was a 1-1 hockey game in the third period at the time. But that might be... And it sounds strange to say this, guys, because the Flames lost on Saturday night. That might be the best game I've ever seen Dan Vladar play. He made so many great saves in that game to keep it close, especially in the first period when the Flames just didn't have their legs or their heads weren't in the game. I'm not sure what was going on in the opening 20 minutes of that Battle of Alberta, but the Oilers could have had a four or a five-goal lead through 20 minutes, and they didn't because of Dan Ladar. He was the only reason why that game wasn't out of hand following the first period. So I think he's played his best hockey of the season during this three-game stretch. And again, it sounds crazy to say that because they lost two of the three games, but you think back to Thursday's game against the Maple Leafs. Well, the best goal scorer on planet Earth put three past him, and Austin Matthews was at his absolute best in that 4-3 Maple Leafs win. And then he... Almost slams the door shut on two of the other best players in the world. And Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle does shut the door on them. They didn't get a point in that game on Saturday night. But uh, certainly give the Flames a a chance to beat the owners and to snap their franchise record-long 12-game winning streak. So uh, Dan Vladar should be feeling great about his game right now. And the Flames should be feeling great about his game as well. Even if they plan to move him before the March H trade deadline, guys have got to think that his value has increased in the last few games that he's played in.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, he certainly hasn't hurt his his value with his performance in his past three starts, as you said. Wills, he you know we might be talking about a seven one blowout loss if it wasn't for Dan Vladar's performance in the the opening period against the Edmonton Oilers. Even the you know even the Jabroni who does the uh, three stars got that one right. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's
1: a clown, but <laughs> guy, he <Jabroni>. finally, <laughs> wow, finally finally got one.
2: Years. finally got one Uh, and i think this week was important for dan vladar because that last start of his before jacob markstrom's injury was that rotten loss in chicago and he certainly wasn't the only player who wasn't good in the windy city he had plenty of company but that was not a a good outing for dan vladar Mm -hmm. and so i think the way he uh he sort of rebounded in his past three starts, the fact that he gave his team a chance to win all three games, even if they only ended up winning one of them, I think there, there's a lot to build on there for Dan Vladar, And I think he's done a, a really nice job and it's it's hard to get a great sense of sometimes, but I think he's done a really n- nice job of Blocking out all the the rumors and and rumblings and and whispers that surround his name. I mean, this guy has been, as I always like to say, traded on Twitter since June or July, right? Yeah. We've we've been talking about, well, how are they going to create a spot for Dustin Wolf and, and who wants Dan Vladar? What can they get for him? That you know, Dan, Dan Vladar is is not, you know, he's not. Not noticing, I suppose. I, I'm yeah. struggling to come up with the right word right now, but, you know, he... He, he knows what's going he on. He knows what's happening. Yeah. He knows what's being said about him, and I, I think he's done a nice job, especially of, of late, of, of just blocking that out and, and playing some really good goal. Yeah, I thought. I thought
1: what we saw from him this week was what we saw from him prior to the Chicago game or, or what was trending prior to the Chicago game. Like everybody played poorly uh, that, that Sunday afternoon at, at the United center, including Dan did not have a very good game, but what we had seen from him for about the month prior was his level had been much better and he was starting to trend in a different direction. And the three games that he played this week, I mean, that, he gave the Flames a chance to pull off the the Shocker and get away with one against the Coyotes. He allowed that game not to turn into a blowout in the third period against Toronto, and he allowed that one to not turn into a blowout in the first period against Edmonton. In all three games, he gave him an opportunity to win, and yeah, I think mean, that's the best stretch of hockey all season. In fact, I dare say that's the best for me, the best, because I think three straight starts is is something especially for a guy like Dan where you don't see all that often because of who he is tandemed with. So that that to me is the best stretch of hockey we've seen from Dan Going back a couple of seasons, because I don't think we saw a stretch like that last season when when goaltending was not at the level that we are accustomed to from this tandem. That's the best That's the best stretch of goaltending kind of consistently we've seen from Ladar dating back to that 21-22 season. So good on him. And whether it helps raise his trade value, whether a team that was watching the Toronto game or the Edmonton game says... Okay. Okay. There's, there's still something there. I, even though the numbers don't show it, but whether it's that, whether it just raises his confidence level, raises the team's confidence level that they can continue to manage Jacob's rest properly as he comes back after missing three games with a, a minor lower body injury, whatever the case may be, it's uh, nothing but good news for the flames. So good on Dan.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as you guys know, I really don't like talking about trading players, uh, I'd rather talk about it after the trade actually happens than uh, pontificate about whether or not it's going to happen and what they're going to get. But they're going to have to open up a spot for Dustin Wolf. We all know that. And they're going to have to do that before the start of next season. I think there's a pretty good chance they do that before the March 8th trade deadline. And I still think it's way more likely that they trade Dan Vladara than Jacob Markstrom. Yeah, I just I don't know that the Flames could get in return for Markstrom what they would have to get to to move him so if they do decide to move on from dan vladar i don't think that that's a knock on him because remember they acquired him from the bruins for a third round pick before they knew what dustin wolf was about to do as a professional hockey player before he won back-to-back ahl goaltender of the year awards before he won the league mvp last season they didn't know what dustin wolf was going to turn into now they knew or at least I think they've got a pretty good idea of of who they've got, Uh, certainly at the AHL level. We'll have to wait and see what he turns into at the NHL level, but can you get back for Dan Vladar what you gave up to get him? Can you get that third-round pick back? Uh, I do wonder about that. Uh, I I think about the trade that the Flames made with the Maple Leafs when they sent David Riddick in in that direction. Didn't they get a third-round pick for him? So maybe... I don't know, maybe a second-round pick isn't out of the question with uh, a bunch of teams being desperate for goaltending and with uh, the way Vladar's played in the last few hockey games. We'll have to wait and see how it all plays out, but uh, certainly the way he played in the last three doesn't hurt him or his team.
1: By the way, just uh, pulling it up right now, uh, third-round pick in 2022 is uh, what the Flames got for David Riddick at that trade yeah. deadline in 2021. It's uh, oh, you got You got anything to add quickly before we move on? Well, I... I no, I I don't know that I have
2: too much that. To I I don't know that you're possibly getting more than a third round pick for Dan Vladar just based on his salary, but uh yeah, the he he's proving in this past week that he can string together some starts, which is something that he failed to do in his spotlight as a potential starter last season. You yeah. know, when when he was given the ball and he did have some injury issues that ultimately prevented him from going to World Championships, but when he was given the ball for stretches last season, he kind of struggled with it. And so I I think this is another, regardless of what he might recoup in a trade, I think that this is another case of Dan Vladar making a statement to the league that, hey, I might be able to handle more than I'm getting here in Calgary.
1: Uh, oh, and by the way, just uh, if you're wondering, because I know there's always questions. Oh, so what did that pick turn into for David Riddick? Turned into a third round pick. The Flames never used at the draft. They flipped it to Chicago in the summer of 2021 for Nikita Zadorov, which they then turned into in late November a third and a fifth round pick. So that's the uh, trade tree as it stands. Oh, right can trade from there. Um, it's our uh, daily Flames roundtable with Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg on this Monday, um, guys. Re-debut of Matt Coronado Saturday against the Edmonton on the right side of the line with Zeri and Kadri, and the debut, first NHL game for Adam Klapka on the right side of that fourth line. What did we think of Matt Coronado's return and Adam Klapka's debut against the Oilers? Well, I'll
0: start with Matt Coronado. I thought he was put into a good spot playing on the Kadri and the kids line with Nazem Kadri and Connor Zary, but also a tough spot because he's a much different type of player than the guy who he was replacing in a guy who skates like the wind and is big and strong and gets in the forecheck and bangs and crashes and uh, that's what I love about Martin Pospisil is that he can be an impactful player on this team even when he's not scoring goals and producing points. And I think the Flames missed him in that Battle of Alberta uh, against the Oilers on Saturday night and will certainly miss his energy and and physicality for as long as he is out. But uh, not a bad spot to land, playing uh, alongside a, a veteran centerman who has been really good all season and a guy on the other wing who is as creative offensively as probably anybody on the team. Uh, And I thought Matt Coronado certainly had some really good moments. As a matter of fact, in a first period where I thought the team as a whole was bad, I thought he had some really good moments. Uh, He certainly had a lot of jump and uh, was creating some things. I I guess tough to evaluate him in that first period because the guys around him just weren't very good. But uh, he did stick out in a positive way for me in the opening 20 minutes uh, on Saturday night versus the Oilers. At the end of the night. He ends up with two shots and goal. You like to see that number go up with uh, the way he can shoot it, playing uh, just over 14 minutes. So uh, I would evaluate him uh, by saying that I thought he was okay in his return to the NHL. As for Adam Klopka, pr- or yeah, probably a tougher guy to evaluate simply because he played six minutes and six seconds. But with that said, I think he made the most of his six minutes and six seconds because he did have four hits. And, and that's kind of what Ryan Huska asked him to do. Go out there, use your size, get into the four check, and bang and crash. And I think Adam Klapka, uh, in a small sample size, did just that for the Flames. So, you know, not a bad NHL debut for him, I would say. Uh, probably learned a thing or two playing his first game at the highest level. But, you know, two more guys who have come through the pipeline from the Wranglers uh, to the Flames. And uh, I think. They give reason for, flan, for fans to, to have a, a positive outlook as far as the future is concerned. How impactful can could be short term? I'm not sure yet that we only watched him play for six minutes. As for Coronado, I still think this guy is, is going to score some goals at this level. And I do wonder if uh, he's here to stay or if he needs maybe another stint uh, with the Wranglers. But uh, not bad on, on both accounts, I would say.
2: I'll uh, I'll start with Adam Klapka and, and I like the way you put it, Wilsey, that he he certainly made the most of his six minutes and, and change with those four hits. The pretty good roar at the saddle dome when he crunched Leon Dry into the sideboards on on what I think might have been Klapka's first shift actually at the the NHL level. You know, he arrived, everyone looks at the the dimensions, right? This guy's six foot seven and, and I think about two hundred and twenty-five or two hundred and thirty pounds and everyone thinks that he he's going to be this thumper. He, he did come to North America as a little bit more of a gentle giant. And I know that the development coaches, the Wranglers coaches have really been working with Adam Klapka to be a little less gentle over the last couple of seasons. And, and you can tell he's taken that to heart. You know, he is determined to throw his weight around to be a, bit more of a hard-nosed presence. And I think in limited ice time, he certainly showed a willingness to do exactly that against the Oilers. And, you know, I actually found Matt Coronado personally to be a little bit more difficult to judge just because I thought that was one of the weaker games we've seen from Nazem Kadri and, and Connor Zari yeah. in a while. And so I certainly don't think that was because of Matt Coronado, but I, I found it really difficult to maybe assess his fit on that line because I, I just thought Nazem Kadri and Connor Zary were on that list of guys who simply didn't have it on Saturday. And and I hope, I think there's a lot to like. there There's a lot of intrigue for me in what that trio could be capable of. And, you know, we saw them still together at practice. I certainly hope we see them together tomorrow against the St. Louis Blues because I think when Connor's area and Nazem Kadri look more like themselves, it'll be a little easier to get a grasp of how Matt Coronado fits
1: there. Yeah. The the one thing that I really took away from, from Coronado's game at like, he worked. He he worked really hard. And he mm-hmm. fought for a lot of pucks, won a couple of, you know, fifty-fifty puck battles just because he was working. Uh the shots that he got, he worked hard to get himself into a spot where he could get it away. I just I thought there was a, a high level of work. I, I'm with I'm with where Wes is. I, I didn't like the line, but I actually thought Coronado was the the thing that I took away saying. He was maybe the the I thought it was a pedestrian game from the line, but I thought Coronado worked and and you could tell the work ethic was there. So and and you know, what one thing that's really and I was talking to somebody about this earlier, one thing you gotta remember is that Matt Coronado's being put on put onto a line with two other guys that have been playing on the same line for the better part of three months now, and like that that line has not changed other than the one game where Pospisil was a healthy scratch. That line, and I think Zeri got bumped up to the the Lindholm line for like two periods in one game, but you know generally since November third, this line has been together without uh, without stop, and so. That's a tough spot to jump into, too, if you're Coronado with two guys that have been used to playing with Pospisil for so long, and and Coronado hasn't been at this level in quite some time, so I think it's going to take some time, too. So uh, definitely the work ethic st- stuck out, and that was a real positive for Matt. Um, and then I thought the fourth line itself had a pretty dreadful night against the Oilers, and yet I thought, I like the way you put it, Willsey, I like Klapka, of those three, was able to make the most of his time. And the fact that he was willing to throw that weight around, that he was able to deliver a couple of checks. You're like, that's, that's what he's there for, especially in your first NHL game, especially in six minutes and six seconds of ice time. So I thought he had some moments. It's kind of similar. I thought Coronado and Klapka played on lines that weren't particularly very good against the Oilers, but both had moments on those lines and were in my eyes, kind of the bright spots on their lines uh, on Saturday night. So I guess something to build on is it kind of looks like both guys will be staying in against St. Louis on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good evaluation, Pat. I do think Coronado was probably the best player on his line. And Klapka, I'm not sure if he was or wasn't the best player on his line, but he was effective in the role that the flames asked him to play. in. now with him, with Klapka, what happens when the adrenaline of playing in his first yeah. NHL game wears off? Does he continue to go out there and, and, rack up four hits for every six minutes that he plays? Probably not, but uh, he does have to play that role. As far as Coronado is concerned, here's how I would compare him and Pospisil. And I say this knowing that it's like comparing apples to oranges because they're very different in how they play the game, but both effective in, in what they do well. So I think Martin Pospisil is a perfect fit on that line with Nazem Kadri and Connor Zeri because he brings something to that group that they don't have. Kadri can play on the edge, but Pospisil skates like the wind and he gets in there on the forecheck and bangs and crashes and I think opens things up for Kadri and Zeri. And Zeri and Kadri are both players who are are best when the puck is on their stick. And I wouldn't say that about Pospisil. I would argue that he's actually better when he doesn't have the puck. Not that he doesn't have skill and and can't do good stuff with it, but that's why I think that group works. Uh, I would say Matt Coronado has a higher ceiling at the NHL level than Martin Pospisil, certainly when it comes to scoring goals and producing points. But with that said, I'm not sure that he's a better fit on that line with Nazem Kadri and Connor Zeri. Because, again, Zeri can make plays, don't get me wrong. But Kadri's a guy who I would say is a shoot-first player, not a pass-first player. I think, ideally, moving forward with Coronado, you have a pass-first guy who wants to set up the guy who might have the best shot on the team. We're right up there with Yegor Sharon Govich. So I'm not sure that uh, his ideal centerman moving forward is Kadri, but right now he's put into a spot uh, on a line with uh, a guy who can certainly make plays in Zeri and a guy who can drive the play in Kadri where I still think he can have some success. And uh, I, I do wonder if, if both guys will look even better uh, against the Blues than they did. And, and it was a, a tough game against the Orders, uh, uh, the hottest team in the league on Saturday night.
2: I know we're up against it for time so I just want to add one thing really quick on Klapka and that's that you know we keep hearing it from Ryan Huska that something's got to give with this fourth line. The Calgary Flames yep. and we see it in ice time more than anything. You know, the Calgary Flames head coach does not have a lot of trust right now. He he doesn't believe that his fourth line has been very effective and we see it with how little those guys are playing. So there's an opportunity there for Adam Klapka to you know, prove that he can be a difference maker for that line and, and sort of muscle his way into the equation.
1: Thank you, Wilsey. See you on Tuesday morning, hey? Okay guys, we'll see you tomorrow. He is Derek Wills. He is Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg and that'll start to wrap us up on this Monday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable. Start to wrap us up this hour as well. Cam and Azam have been our producers this hour and the Daily Flames Roundtable is brought to you as always by Mercedes Benz Country Hills. Mercedes invented airbags and automatic braking systems. It makes sense. They came up with the unparalleled EQ lineup. 0% lease rate on select 2023 models. See in for more details.